0: Yes, and welcome back to Talking Knicks. I'm Tom Piccolo, coming at you with another midweek episode. It's been a crazy week in Knicks land. If, uh, if you haven't listened to Jake's one-man show, talking about all the David Fisdale, Steve Mills drama, you should go back and listen to that. Today we're going to be focusing more on what's happening on the court. Specifically, we're talking about one player, uh, and that's Julius Randable, <laughs>
1: Randable. Randable. You believe that? I'm actually going to. Yeah, I do. I'd, I'd forget his name too, honestly, if I were. I'm <laughs> trying to forget his name constantly. Arguably the most disappointing Knicks so far, Julius Randle. Uh,
0: and that's actually saying a lot. So let's get into it. Let's talk Knicks. All right, we are taping this on Wednesday night. We have a nice, merciful break from Knicks basketball until the Mavericks rematch at MSG tomorrow. I'm joined by fellow co-host Kenny Poon. Kenny,
1: what's going on, man? Hey, Tom. Thanks Thanks for having me. Um, been a long-time fan, uh, first-time caller, excited to be here. Yeah, clearly I was
0: nervous to have you on, uh, botching Julius Randall's name. But uh, no, we, we appreciate you uh, joining the midweek pod, We're trying to make this a thing. So... Um, we're still figuring out what it is, but, uh, you know, last figuring week, out what we do here, just trying to figure it out. I mean, last week, Jake and I dove into a bunch of lineup data and that feels like a million years ago, just cause of all the stuff that's happened. And, you know, I don't want to get too, too far into that, but I will say one of the reasons for the Knicks disappointing so much, uh, to start this season has been Julius Randle. you know, like he was the, the major, free agent signing, he was the only guy that the Knicks committed multiple years to. And I mean, we there was a lot of speculation this offseason. We we didn't watch a ton of Pelicans games last year, like we'll be honest. So we were going a lot on, you know, what media were saying, but also just straight up box score stats. You know, just we we, Kenny, we saw he was putting up twenty-one points per game, nine rebounds, three assists he was doing it on efficient shooting from the field. And we were like, hey, like he was 24 years old. Th- he could still be getting better. And, and that isn't what we've seen so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough though, right? Because like, this is a whole new team. It's a whole new situation. But like you said, we didn't watch a ton of him last year. And those numbers are good. And like those numbers are just so much better than they are this year. He was so much more efficient. He shot the ball a lot better from inside the arc and outside the arc uh, he was just generally a much better player last year so it's hard to tell whether that was the real him or whether this is the real him and I think that's what we're we're here to talk about
0: yeah and there's a lot of different factors that go into it I mean we we've discussed how when he was on the Pelicans he was surrounded by more talent no no doubt about it he had a point guard in Drew Holiday who's an all-star caliber point guard and, and can set up teammates for success and, and that's not really something he's had here in New York. But just in the first 11 games, we've watched a lot of Julius Randle. We've watched a lot of him being the, the primary option and in the initial offense creator. And it has been just ugly. It, it's been ugly to watch. And it, it doesn't give you a great deal of hope in terms of like the style that he plays with, right? Like You're not like, oh, if he just makes a few more of those shots or... It, it seems like even what we've seen at the best level, the best version of what we've seen is still not great for the Knicks offense and like for developing Knicks young players. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah. And it's just been, like you said, it's, it's concerning just to see the way that he plays. And part of me wonders how much of that is him trying to live up to the, con- the contract. Cause like when I watch him, I see just a guy who's out there trying to, you know, prove he is a number one option like he plays in a similar way to Marcus Morris but we get the way the reason that Marcus Morris is doing what he's doing is cuz he's in a contract year. He came to the Knicks to try to prove himself so he could get a big contract. Julius Randle got a pretty big contract and he's under contract for the next couple of years so like it's hard to say why he's you know out there doing ISOs and like spinning into traffic and just losing the ball. Like he's trying to do too much and I feel like part of that is just because He's, you know, he, he got the big contract and now he's trying to prove that he's worth it. And, you know, at some point he's just got to chill. Yeah. Chilling
0: would be nice. Um, there, there'd be several things that would be nice. I mean, I guess we we could start off with right now, just his box score stats for this year. Cause I guess on paper, y- you wouldn't really know that he's struggling as much as he is or, or it doesn't really come through the box score, just how unpleasant he's been to watch. So so far this year, he's averaging about 15.5 points per game, uh, 9.6 rebounds, almost four assists, and from two, he's shooting 49.6%. He's getting to the free throw line about five times per game, only shooting 63% from there, and and worst of all, and I think this is going to be a, a big part of this conversation, he's taken five I'm sorry he's taking three and a half three pointers per game and shooting 21 percent on those so Kenny I mean do any of those numbers I guess aside from the three-point shooting really jump out to you or do you think some of these are just small sample size anomalies just little blips or, or are these kind of, are some of these concerning to you
1: so the shooting is obviously a concern but I think that that. that will come around and that already kind of has started to come around at least on the three-point shooting I think in the last I don't know four games he's shooting like 35 percent which still isn't great but like it's it's good and you know you can't really erase the the first seven games and you've only played 11 but he's coming around on that Um, more concerning to me I think is the free throw percentage which has just been terrible and you know he's Lately, he's been getting to the, the free throw line a decent amount. He hasn't been, it hasn't been a tremendous round. I don't think it's probably as much as, as R.J. Barrett, but he's shooting, what, 63%, I think? 63.2% this year from free throws. And again, his, his career average is 71.8, which isn't great, but it's, it's a heck of a lot better than 63.2%. And the fact that it's so much lower just tells me that you know, this is an anomaly right? And he's not going to be this bad at shooting threes. He's not going to be this bad at shooting free throws for the entire year. Um, and you know, I think, like I said, in the beginning, I think he's pressing a little bit and that's, that's throwing his shot off. And I'm hoping that's the reason. And it's not just because, you know, he, he has less talent around him, like you and Jake talked about.
0: And I think the free throws thing is a good point where that should kind of be a constant, regardless of the basketball environment you're in. Like that, that shouldn't fluctuate so much. The three-point shooting, like, there, there could be an argument where it's like Julius Randle's just getting tougher looks. That's not the case. Like, t- teams aren't guarding him beyond the arc very much. He is taking some, some difficult shots where he's kind of being a hero and, and going off the dribble, and yeah, he's taking some step-back threes that have barely drawn iron. So there's no doubt that, like, his increased offensive burden has led to him taking more difficult three-pointers. Granted, I like I said, didn't watch a ton of Pelicans games last year. Maybe he was just jacking threes off the bounce last year, too. I don't really know. But the the types of threes he's taking, some of them are completely wide-open catch-and-shoots that you'd expect him to hit at a, res- at a respectable clip. Others, he is taking like some really difficult shots. So that, that may factor in here. And then, Kenny, the other thing I was thinking that I didn't even mention in his box score stats, he's averaging almost four turnovers a game more turnovers than assists per game um like that's definitely so that's the first time in his career that he's done that and i, I wonder if that's an anomaly or if that's more the product of things like the surrounding talent the offensive system that that Fizdale has been kind of criticized for all season um I don't know, like, the turnovers have probably been the most maddening part of his game. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, and I don't even know if the turnovers tell the full story because just looking at the Dallas game, he had four turnovers, but watching that game, I could have sworn he had at least 15. Just <laughs> he – every single time he put the ball on the floor, his, his dribble was so loose and, like, he would lose control of the ball. And I guess enough of those time, it either went to a teammate or he, you know – Came up with it in the end, but watching that game, it, it looked bad, and that is something that I'm more concerned is an actual, you know, product of the way that he's playing and the way that he's being asked to play more than it is an anomaly. Like, like I said, I think the shooting numbers will come will come back, but just because he's being more high usage and he's being. And, you know, like I, like you said, we don't know what he, he looked like on the Pelicans a lot, but he's doing a lot of iso from the top of the key, a lot of just ball handling generally, and he doesn't have a great handle. Um, so to the extent that they're going to keep asking him to do that, I think that the, the turnover numbers will sustain. And it's funny because
0: this is just a prime example of just the eye test not really corroborating what the numbers are saying. I mean, the Knicks offense has been – terrible when he's on the court, so I guess that has been consistent with the eye test. But if you're looking specifically at Randall's numbers, I'm looking at cleaning the glass right now, which um, has Randall at a 20% assist percentage. So he assists on 20% of his team's made buckets, and that's in the 92nd percentile for bigs. So you see that and you think, oh, Randall's one of the best passing bigs in the league. And it. I mean... It just doesn't add up in any way because we're watching him and first of all he really seems like a black hole like it to me there there are times when he just puts his head down and he's he's made up his mind he's going to shoot the ball before the before he's even like read what the defense is doing and I mean that that's led to charges and a lot of just strips and, and turnovers and then you know fast break points the other way but I don't know man like he's he's very much more on the ball hog side of things than a distributor
1: and i'll i'll say this in defense of of randall is that there have been times when he's had some really nice like interior passing assists where he'll drive to the hole the double team will come and he'll have a nice dump off pass to someone for a dunk and uh, maybe it was early in the season but i remember like several of these and it gives you hope that he can do that but i 100 percent agree with you that there's times when he makes his mind up early on that what he's going to do and you know sometimes that is shoot and so he misses a lot of open guys but you know he does have those nice interior passes and then in in their win against um what was it chicago in the the bobby portis revenge game he had two big assists down the stretch um on driving dishes to to portis for big threes so he has the capability of doing it, but like you said, sometimes he is determined to shoot and, you know, doesn't always take what the, the defense gives him. So we're ho- I think that's that, again, goes back to the whole thing of he's trying to do too much. He's trying to prove himself instead of, you know, just playing basketball, which I think if he does, it will we'll see some improvement in a lot of these areas.
0: And that might even make it more frustrating for me is that, like, we know he has this capability and he's just – Not using it and it's you know part of me is frustrated that he's not passing the ball because it it hurts the development of the young guys but also it just leads to better basketball and winning basketball right like I don't know if you think of Julius Randle as the Knicks best player which I don't think a lot of Knicks fans do anymore I'd say going into the season we were kind of convinced that he was but I don't know. Like I, am just thinking that like getting the ball out of his hands is actually a good thing, which is kind of rare for your best player. But I, I kind of want to go back to the to the box score thing not adding up. <laughs> I'm going back two games now to that blowout loss versus Cleveland, and I'm looking at his stats here. He put up 20 points, 16 rebounds, and. I mean, that on its face is very impressive. He was 7 of 10 from the free throw line. Got to the charity stripe a lot. You'd love to see it. And then you look at his plus-minus, which isn't always indicative of of a player's performance, but he was minus 22 in his minutes. And I remember watching, just thinking, like, get this guy off the court. And I don't know, I want to get to his defense eventually too because I think that was a huge part of it for me. But even offensively, I think that a lot of it is it's, it's Randall's style, but it's also that Randall's style doesn't mesh with these rotations that Fizdale is is putting him in.
1: Yeah. And I think that's accurate and it's part of it is, you know, I think he's a guy that you need to kind of surround with shooting in order to, you know, open up some lanes for him. Definitely. And, and he has been driving into a lot of double teams and, uh I don't know if it was Clyde or Mike Breen or who it was that said his spin move is just a turnover waiting to happen and that's because he's spinning into into the double team and you know if there's a little better spacing maybe that's a more effective move and maybe he has you know more opportunities to get easy shots at the rim but the spacing just isn't there right now and I think you might have talked about it with uh in in a previous pod maybe with Jake maybe another time but um it's tough because I don't think offensively him and Mitchell Robinson really have any, you know, synergy. Because Robinson's a guy who n- needs to get his buckets near the rim. And Randall is a guy who wants to get into that lane and get his buckets by the rim. Um, I mean, r- he'll, he'll take an occasional three-pointer. But I think that's, that's where the Knicks want him is, you know, driving and attacking the rim. And, you know, those two things can't really coexist.
0: You're you're totally right on that. Actually, that's a great point. Um, I remember looking at his stats from last year, and though he wasn't used as a pick and roll um, roll man a a ton last year, it was it was still a lot more than he has been this year. And just efficiency wise, he was like one of the best in the league at finishing as the roll man. And just knowing that he has that skill set, you would think that Fizdale would put him in position to do that more often granted with mitch on the floor that's that's kind of an issue because mitch is one of the best role men in the league because of his ability to finish just about anything but mitch hasn't played that much this year he's had his injury he had his concussions like um there's really no excuse for randall not being used more as a role man in a more spaced floor situation because no matter what without mitch on the floor you're not getting a real defensive center i guess taj gibson is is your second best option there and taj gibson's also by far our best screen setter but that kind of kind of leads me to to my other qualm with randall and that's the dude doesn't set screens like he's he's slipping every every screen just like in a rush to get the ball before he hits anybody and i'm like man like we all saw that photo of him with the chains over his his neck doing pull-ups, and he just looked ripped up. It's like you should hit somebody, like you should ri- you should hurt somebody, not on purpose, just like from your physical presence. And the guy just like I don't want to call him soft because I I don't believe that, but it's like he he sets soft screens. I can say that pretty objectively.
1: Yeah, and. Everything that you're saying and everything that we've been saying generally for me comes back to, you know, it's a little of him pressing, you know, it's just him jumping a little too early off of the screen to try to, to try to roll to the basket. It's him just putting a little too much, you know, emphasis on trying to get to the rim and just trying to do a little too much. And I think you just need to slow things down on everything and including, you know, setting screens and, It's funny because the one place where that kind of extra energy might be good, we haven't seen it there. And that's on defense. And I think you you had a, a tweet about his help defense on one play. And, you know, it's just it hasn't been there generally. And that seems where that seems to be the place where that extra energy would pay off.
0: Yeah, I mean, just with, with Mitch having been out as much as he has, and with kind of the other big men options, like we we do like Taj Gibson, but he's getting older now. Um, I mean, flat out, Bobby Portis is not a strong defender. But I mean, you look at even Julius Randle's on-off numbers here, and and the defense is several points. It's about at I mean, it's about two and a half points per 100 possessions better when Randall's on the bench defensively. It's not a it's not a huge difference, but. Like just, just you watch him and you see the effort he puts in, and and there are just some plays where he's he's watching the action, like he's clearly like reading what's happening. It's not like he's, it's not like he doesn't understand where he should be, but it's just a lack of effort. I, I've I've pointed it out on the offensive end, where he won't you know run without the ball, and I've I've shown on the defensive end too, where he's he's unwilling to. To help off his man and, and to to get in front of drivers and to try and protect the rim and i mean randall at this point uh, i think his the most uh successful situation he can be put in is kind of as a backup five as as the guy who comes in and is like we said in a space floor he's he's the center and he's he's able to just roll to the rim and just kind of do what he does best and and not encounter so many bodies. But if he's not going to play defense, like, you you can't afford to, to play him there. And that's that's a huge issue.
1: Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's tough for me to hear. And I, it's still, I think I am still more of the opinion that he can still turn this around. Uh, I think at, at some point it's going to become a mental game for him because fans are already starting to turn on him. But last year he was just... His numbers were so much better, and there aren't a lot of guys that average 20 points a game, and he did it, and he averaged, you know, whatever it was, uh, nine rebounds, I think, ten rebounds. And, like, that's that's a good player, and I have to believe that's in there somewhere. I mean, but I guess that, that's kind of been
0: sort of my, my central point, is that I don't know that the box score stats really paint the best picture of Julius Randle. I think for some players, they do and for other players they don't in a positive way like Frank Nealakina's box score stats I don't think fully reflect the value he brings to a game but then with Julius Randle, you'll see some of these some of these numbers and they they kind of feel hollow or feel empty to me like uh, like I said he had that 20 and 16 uh, stat line against the Cavaliers and I watched it and I was, I just thought he was terrible the whole game I was surprised to see those numbers at the end so I I think it is just I mean, I don't know. I don't know that he can be, like, a winning b- basketball player, and that's a harsh thing to say after 11 games. I know that maybe that sounds unreasonable at this stage, but he's going to have to go a long way in, like, proving me wrong because my first impression has been really
1: negative. But the thing for me is that it's it's the percentages, right? Because we can say that he looks terrible. He's still getting buckets. He's still scoring points, and we can say that, you know, it does, it looks bad, but... Hey all, BBD here. Uh, Kenny's audio got kind of messed up, recording stop
0: batteries, issues, all that. So, uh, yeah, you don't get to hear the rest of that thought. Anyway, let's get back on with the show. Yeah, I, I think you're right to point out, well, first of all, that last year he was actually an even higher usage player than he's been this year. So, I mean, he was absolutely a focal point of that offense last season, um, like we did mention, there were there were just higher quality players around him, and and a, and a point guard who is particularly adept at setting up his teammates. But I, I don't know. I was looking through kind of how Randall has been generating his offense this year versus last year, and it's not. There aren't like a bunch of crazy differences. I kind of thought there would be uh, a larger disparities. But um, so for example, last year. Julius Randle took about s- about eighteen percent of his shots in transition, and and uh, this year it's been closer to fifteen, so it's like a similar amount. And he's actually been a lot more efficient in transition this year, so that's that's really encouraging. Um, the biggest dip that I've seen with him is in isolation. So he's actually taking a higher percentage of his shots in isolation, which isn't surprising given h- his his offensive role and the kind of The talent around him, but the dip has been in efficiency. So last year he was a very good isolation scorer in in almost the 70th percentile um, of uh, of players in ISO. This year he's in about the ninth percentile. He just he can't seem to finish in isolation, and I wonder if that's because defenses are more able to load up on him. It's it's partly that spacing issue, and and we haven't even really talked so much about the, the fit but we t- we mentioned Mitchell Robinson and Randall but i think the the bigger pairing that that Knicks fans are are kind of it's driving them crazy is is Marcus Morris and Julius Randle like there's probably no world where those two should be on the floor at the same time let alone like the two highest usage players in the same starting
1: lineup yeah and just kind of both the way that both of them play isn't ideal, right? Um, Marcus Morris in his contract year going a lot of ISO and uh, Julius Randall. Yeah, like but the, said, th- the thing about really Morris is that so. like
0: at least he shoots the ball. Like he shoot he gets up a lot of threes, so he d- he helps with spacing a little bit in that on that front. And I mean honestly, Marcus Morris has not gotten to the rim at all this year, and I'm not saying that as a positive thing. It's just I'm just pointing it out, like. I don't know, Morris and Randall don't really um, occupy the same parts of the court so much. But I agree that their like style of play in that they, they aren't always looking to make the right pass. Or they're, when they do, it's like a little slow. Um, I, I agree that, that that part of their game t- isn't a great fit.
1: Yeah, and it kind of brings us a little bit back full circle to last year when in one of our complaints in the preseason about the, the way that the team played offense last year is, was a lot, lot, lot of ISO, you know, a lot of people looking for their own shot and not looking to set up teammates. And we saw that, you know, that didn't always end up benefiting people, particularly young players who, you know, were not ISO players. I'm, I'm thinking about Frank mostly. Um, it makes them, you know, completely disappear from the offense.
0: Yeah, I I guess like I, I agree with with some of your points that like first of all, I don't expect that he'll be shooting twenty-one percent from three on the year. I don't think that's really in the in the cards. I don't think he'll be shooting sixty three percent from the free throw line. That's substantially worse than any year he's had. So I mean like those two things will tick back up. And it's just—I wonder by the time they do stabilize, whether we will look at Randall as, as a positive player, or if, you know, if no matter how—I don't want to say no matter how well he shoots—but like even if those numbers do tick up to like his career averages, is that,
1: is that a, a valuable player? Um, I mean, I'm I'm optimistic and. I I think a lot of it depends on you know if how his style of play changes to match his teammates if we see someone who is a more willing passer and like he has shown at times where when he's not making the decisions to to shoot on the drive if we see a little bit more of that I think he's, he's a valuable player and I think if we see some effort on defense he's a valuable player If we see him setting screens he's a more valuable player and we we've seen that he's capable of doing all of these things so it's just a matter of again I think he just needs to chill he needs to stop you know forcing things and trying to trying to earn all of his contracts and or his entire contract in one game and you know just trying to he just needs to get out there and play basketball so he's on the on the books for this year
0: for 18 million. Next year for almost 19 million, and then in 21 22 he's just got that partial guarantee for 4 million, um, which is you know basically a a non guarantee altogether. So um, I mean he's really only on the books for for one more season after this. I, I know some like those <laughs> who have kind of like abandoned Randall already prematurely are kind of already looking to get him. I mean, I've heard on other Knicks podcasts, them discussing the the potential of trading Julius Randall. um, And, and I know we'll be wrapping up here pretty soon, but do you think that there's much of a market for for Randall? I guess at this point it would be selling as low as possible, right?
1: What? I mean, I am on record as being the guy who wants to trade anyone. If you can get anything for them, Um, i at this point would you have to attach something to randall to get rid of him because that's the opposite of the plan and for what it's worth i hate to break everyone's hearts but we're not going to be good next year either so like what are we trying to avoid are we trying to like last year we kind of gave up or we could have potentially gotten more if we didn't attach the tim hardaway jr and the courtney lee contracts when we traded porzingis are we trying to dump his salary and get something new? Because there's not much in the free agency class either. So, like I again, I think that we're firmly with Randall, and I am more optimistic about Randall than most. Um, although to this point, it has been ugly. I think you know he is a better player than he's shown.
0: And do you think there'll ever be a time where it will be fun to watch Julius Randall play basketball?
1: Uh, no, <laughs> but I mean, I. I also don't particularly enjoy watching James Harden play basketball, but I would have him on my team.
0: Winning is fun. so um, Yeah. I don't know. What's your, like, ideal scenario? Like, Julius Randle is the X best player on, your te- on, like, a good, solid playoff team. What, what do you think?
1: Uh, I think he peaks out at, like, the third best player potentially on a solid team. Like, depending on how good the other players are, but like I don't see him as a a number one or two option again we we didn't watch a lot of Pelicans games last year, so it's hard to kind of put him in that box but ba- yep, it's your boy b b d again
0: same issue happened again um yeah, so you don't get to hear the rest of this thought. Thanks for cooperating back to the show. Well, uh, I'll, I'll join you in your optimism on a, on a conditional. That's if Randall starts hitting people on screens, if he starts looking to make the pass instead of like making up his mind to shoot on some of these plays. Yeah, just becoming a more willing passer, hitting people on screens, and then playing a little bit of defense, then uh, <laughs> I will join you in the optimism. I guess until then, I'm going to be a skeptic. But uh, it's a long season. We're only we're only eleven games in. So, uh, any, anything else you want to add here, Kenny? Before we sign off,
1: nothing really. Just uh, everyone's gotta. And this is something that I've said to you guys a lot in the in the group chat that when you got a new team with a whole bunch of new players, it's gonna take them some time to mesh. Uh, we saw that with the Cavaliers when they got Love, LeBron, and Kyrie. They started out the season nineteen and twenty. We saw that with Miami. Uh, I think they started out the season like around 500 for the first 20 games. Maybe it was nine and eight to start the season. And those teams were just a lot better than we are. So, like, the fact that they started out 500, it makes sense that we're starting out, like, a little worse than what we expected on the 30-win team. Like, we're not that much off a 30-win pace, but, like, we're a little below that. Like David Fisdale
0: said, we are just two games out of the eight seed. So... All right, that's enough. Listen, we appreciate you listening to this. Uh, um, If you haven't yet, please subscribe. Give a five-star rating. Leave a little review. Um, You can follow me on Twitter at Tom underscore Piccolo. Read my coverage on Nick's Film School. I'm putting out about one article a week. Um, Kenny does a lot of our tweeting from Talkin' Nick's, our Twitter account. That's at Talkin' Nick's. So you can follow him there, follow us there, and... uh, stay tuned for our our weekly Monday morning episode. We usually recap the week and we get into some some more big picture topics. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening and we will catch you next time. Next week.